Can I get into God's word tonight? Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready for it. I want you to turn on your Bible. Open the Bible app, or if you have a physical Bible. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. We're going to start there. Matthew 28. Verse 18. I'm going to say it again because I know some of y'all be like selective hearing and all you heard was like 28. Okay. Matthew. Say Matthew. Say 28. Verse 18. If you got it, say "Uh uh-huh. If you're ready to read it, say oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a packed house tonight. Let's go. Oh, wait. Pause. Hey, we didn't do this. If it is your first time here, I'm going to embarrass you. No, I'm not. If it's your first time here, can you just like do this real quick? Just wave real quick if it's your first time. I know we got one over here. Yeah, let's go. We got some new people. They're like, whoa. Like, hey, it's my first time. I'm not raising my hand for nothing. I get it. But I know there's a few new people here. If you don't know who I am, that's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> My name is Pastor Israel Carani Martí Bermudez. Cannibal. Um, so that's, the, that's my dad's name. All right. But my name is Pastor Izzy. Y'all can call me Pastor Izzy. Please don't say P. Izzy. And please don't say Pizzy. All right? That is right. Now that I said that. Right? That's the quickest way to get roundhouse kicked in the throat, right? I'll do it. I'll do it. I am Pastor Izzy. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm married to the best woman in the world, Pastor Ariel over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, we are the, we've been the youth pastors here for about nine, ten months? Nine months? Ten months? Some, almost a year. We have a nine-month-old princess named Dottie Christine Marty, a.k.a. Dotbot, and she is our little mascot. She's amazing. She's the smiliest, cutest baby in the world, and I will fight you if you think otherwise, okay? All XL babies are the cutest, all right? We have the cutest babies in our church than any other church. Fight me. Uh, I'm also in the National Guard, huh? All right, so I'm a, I am a soldier in the United States Army, and I love it. All right, now, at the count of three, just because I want to get to know you and I want everybody to do it. On the count of three, I want everybody to scream at me their favorite kind of ice cream. And I'm going to remember that, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, I heard cookies and cream? All right. Uh, that's really the only one I heard. Any mint chocolate people? Yeah, okay. All right. All right. All right. I'll pray for you. All right. Toothpaste ice cream. I love it. All right, any, any, any coffee-flavored ice cream people here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Val, this has nothing to do with my message, and it's really bad. But I'm just having fun. Val got me hooked on this ice cream at well, Oberweiss. What was it? The, uh... Yeah, some caramel espresso-like goodness, and it was fire. All right, can we? Guys, I need y'all to get serious. We're trying to get into the word, okay? Stop distracting me. From this, ice cream is cool. If you ever want to bless Pastor Ariel with ice cream, she likes moose tracks. 
Yeah, I do, right? Like that? The best husband. All right, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. All right, y'all ready to read it? Here we go. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, not mine. And I pray, Father, that you wouldn't allow me to preach in a way that you didn't intend it to be. So tonight, God, the best person that they can hear from is you. And so speak to them, Lord. Open up their hearts. Open up their ears. Open up their minds to receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name, everyone says. The title of the message is called The Mission. The Mission. Everybody say The Mission. Being in the United States Army, I am trained to do missions. I am trained to do some cool stuff, okay? I absolutely love it. A story that I want to tell, a quick story, is a mission that went horribly wrong. And it wasn't my fault, friends. It's about, it's about 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I'm in the forest. I'm in the sticks. I'm in the woods of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. They woke us up and said, get up, private. We got to go. I'm like, yeah. I got my gun. Ah, what's happening? Right? Some of y'all get woken up and you don't know who you are. You're just like, uh, zombie. Let's go. We got to go. So we get up. We put all our gear on. It's like 1, 2 a.m. It's like cold, you know. It's like April or May. Or like, ah, it's kind of good weather. It's kind of not. And I said, hey, we got word that an enemy platoon is going to cross this road in this forest, at this part of the forest, in the next few hours. And I'm like, great, in the next few hours. So can I go back to sleep? Well, you're waking me up for what, right? So we grab all of our stuff. We got our nods, our night vision, and we're trucking through the woods. They make us cross a river. Like now I'm wet all the way up to here, and it's freezing. It's early in the morning. And then we set up what we call a linear ambush. Don't worry about it. It's just we were all in a line ready to trap the enemy. Y'all know what an ambush is? Yeah, kind of. It's where they don't know what's about to happen to them, and then splat out. It happens, all right? 2 a.m., we wait. Nothing. 3 a.m., we wait. Nothing. 4 a.m., we get some movement. We get a call on the radio. Hey, guys, get ready. They're coming. We're like, great. We were taught that when the enemy gets into a specific zone, let's say from here to here, call it a kill box, but it's all right. All right, kill, whatever. So when the enemy gets into the kill box, once they are all in, once they're all in, we have something called the Mad Minute. The Mad Minute is 60 seconds of every bullet, everything that you have that you can throw, shout, say, shoot, everything. Throw your boot if you have to. So it's 60 seconds of straight chaos, just pandemonium. Let me tell you something. It was lit. It was amazing. I had a great time, and it was scary. We were told this was the mission. We got to eliminate the enemy. And they said, you're going to hear a clacker. And this clacker lets off a claymore. Claymore is a bomb. Y'all know, y'all play Call of Duty, right? Yeah? All right, I'm going to Call of Duty. People are like, yeah. All the girls are like, what? Claymore? Play-Doh? No, it's not. It's not clay. It's, right? it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's a bomb, right? 
So they're going to blow it up, and that's going to be our sign to do the Mad Minute. So we've got this mission. And all of a sudden, we had this lieutenant that was fresh out of college, and she got jumpy, and she miswired this clacker that sets it off, and so she was doing it. It wasn't working. And so our window of opportunity was going, and so she went to touch the person in front of her, and it's, it's, it's pitch black outside. And so when that person got touched, she got scared and accidentally shot her weapon. This is crazy. It was blanks. Don't worry. So she got scared and popped one off. Now, when somebody shoots a weapon, we were told everybody does. So no one was ready for this moment. All of a sudden, me and my machine gun squad, we hear a pop and we lock just just like literally shooting to I'm like ah! like all you see are people screaming. You see, like, flashes, you know, from the weapons, and it's crazy. Long story short, we did it too late, and there was another platoon coming, and we all died, okay? that Yeah, that's it. That's it. We all died. Uh, we had to carry some people. They were fake dead, okay? Don't worry about it. It wasn't real. I'm not combat vet, all right? So we had a mission. We were told the mission, and we kind of failed, all right? We kind of failed. A lot of us kind of have missions in life. Maybe your mom tells you, hey, when I get home, this house better be clean. She gave you a mission. How many of you fail that mission uh, sometimes? <laughs> I do it too. Or when your mom tells you to, hey, can you, can you pull out the chicken so that it can defrost? Yeah, that's everybody. Tell me your mom being like, hey, make sure you take the chicken out the freezer so that when I get home later, I can start cooking. And then all of a sudden you get the text. Y'all know what that text is? I'm on my way home. And then you playing video games. Oh my gosh, the chicken, right? Like, you failed the mission. In Matthew 28, we see a mission. We see the mission. We see Jesus tell his disciples something that's very important. And whenever Jesus talks, that's something to think about. So today, I want to tell you at a time where Jesus gave the disciples a mission. Say, a mission. So it's a well-known passage, and we call this in Christendom, right? We call this the Great Commission. The Great Commission. But I think when we take a closer look to this moment in Scripture, we see that there's really some cool stuff in here. So y'all ready to check it out? So to give you some context, all right, Jesus was already resurrected, right? If you didn't know that, right, Jesus is alive, all right? Spoiler alert, he won his gulag, right? So like, he's back. Jesus is back. And he visits his disciples, right? We kind of talked about when he came and met with Peter. And was like, Peter, man, you deny me, but it's okay. Like, I'm going to build the church with you. And he's like, all right, Jesus, bet, right? So now they meet. You know, they talk. Now all of a sudden, Jesus, he's getting ready to dip out. Where is Jesus going? Jesus is going to ascend to heaven. He's literally going to just, whoop, go to heaven. And so these three verses are the last verses in Matthew. And some of the last things Jesus says to his boys. Now, obviously, I said when Jesus talks, you want to pay attention. But especially if it's the last thing he said, that's something to really pay attention to. So I need everybody to just sit up in their chair real quick. Turn to the person on your left, say, buckle up. Turn to the one on your right, say, buttercup. 
<laughs> he's told us in Matthew, Matthew's written all about Jesus' life, right? Birth of Jesus, his ministry, right? His death, his resurrection. But this moment is the exclamation point for all of this. Jesus takes his disciples, his crew, and he goes to a mountain. He's like, I need to talk to y'all. They go to a mountain, and he commissions them. What does that word mean? Right? So when I read the Bible, I like to ask questions. So when you read the Bible, I want you to know that it is okay to have questions. If you think you got to figure it out, no. There's people that have spent their whole lives trying to figure it out, and they're not as close as I am. All right? But I like to ask questions. I like to figure out what the Bible means, especially when it's a certain word. So I looked up the word commission in the dictionary where you find definitions of words, okay, which that girl was reading at the park. And I discovered that it's kind of a complex word. Why? It can be used. Can I do a little vocab test or a quiz? All right. Uh, how many of you like English class? All right, cool, cool. How many of you don't? All right. You're, I don't care. All right, here we go. Here we go. The reason why it's a complex word is because commission can be a noun and a verb. Whoa, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, I didn't know that. And it has multiple definitions. So I'm going to give you two meanings. All right, I'm going to give you two meanings of each of these. All right, say commission. commission. So here's the first one. This is a noun. This is the word commission as a noun. Number one, an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or a group of people. Interesting. Number two, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. In the Army, we have NCOs, non-commissioned officers. And then we have COs. We have commissioned officers. Your, your first, second lieutenants, your captains, your lieutenant colonels, your majors, all those people, all the people that are in charge and get paid way more than this guy. So it can be used as both an instruction, given an instruction, and a command. And the group of people who carry it out, right? So that's kind of interesting. Here it is as a verb. Given order for or authorize the production of something. Meaning like building, like equipment, art. Number two, bring something into working condition. All right, so in the verb form, it's also about instruction or command. But it's also about taking something that's not working and fixing it up to make it usable. All right, you're not with me, but it's okay. It's going it's to come. All right, it's, it's, I, I can hear the gears turning in your head. So keep those definitions in the back of your mind, all right? Just store it back here. Y'all seen the SpongeBob episode where, like, they're going crazy and all the files are being burned in the brain and all that, you know what I'm saying? All right, don't do that yet, all right? Save that for some other class, all right? So keep those definitions in mind as we continue to move forward. So let's just go through these verses for a minute. Uh, let's look at how Jesus begins. Uh, so before he gets to the commissioning part, which we'll talk about, he gives us his qualifications, all right? So throw up Matthew 18 one more time. Jesus says, is, it, is that the beginning of it? Yeah. He goes, and Jesus came and said to them, all what? All what? In heaven and on earth has been given 
to me. He's just going to flex real quick. Jesus is like, before I tell you and commission you, I'm going to once again tell you that I'm the man. <laughs> right? Hey, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Like, he didn't just say earth. He, like, he did everything. He's like, I have authority over everything. Say everything. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm not going to argue with Jesus on this one. I'm like, no one's going to argue with the fact that he's in charge. He just raised himself from the dead. It's not like Lazarus. Like, Lazarus can't flex because he, would, he was dead. You know what I'm saying? He was just straight up dead, and Jesus was like, Lazarus, get up. And then he got up, and he's like, I'm alive now. Ah, uh, Thriller. You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, you know what I'm saying? All right? Y'all know what Thriller is? It's okay. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the disciples are like, hey, you know what? I get it. You're the man. We know who you are, Jesus. You don't got to explain to us. So then he gives them some instructions. He goes, hey, I have all authority. And then they listen up. They're like, okay, he's about to tell us something important. What does he tell them? To do, verse 19, he says, everybody say the first word. It says, no. say it one more time, say, no. therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. All right? So I count four things. Say four things. I count four things in this verse that he tells us what to do. Here we go. Next slide. He says, number one, go. Number two, what does it say? Number three. And finally, number four. Okay. All right. He gives us authority. Right? He gives us his authority. And then he's telling us to do something. And I see these four things. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Since we've already talked about nouns and verbs, I'm going to give more vocab, okay? Let's go a little deeper into our grammar lesson, okay? Can we do that? All right. Do you know... What an imperative verb is. I, I see some people say yes. I see some people say no. I'm like, how are you graduating? Simply put, simply put, an imperative verbs or are verbs that create imperative sentences, which is a sentence that gives an order or a command. An imperative verb essentially is a sentence that gives an order or command. So what's the imperative verb in the Great Commission, in this verse that we're reading? It's important that we know what Jesus is actually saying. Because if we don't dive into the words that, listen, when, we, when Jesus is talking, he uses the words he's using for a specific reason. He's not like some of y'all's friends that just be just rambling and just saying stuff that don't mean nothing. So when he actually says something, I'm like, what does he mean by that? Why does he say it that way? So we're talking about an imperative verb, which is a sentence that gives an order or command. So what's the imperative verb in this Great Commission? Right? It feels like it should be the word, I heard it, go. Right? I thought so too. Until I did some more studying. Y'all want to know what it is? Right? It feels like it should be that. But I discovered something when I looked at the original Greek text of these verses. The New Testament was written in Greek. If y'all didn't know that, it wasn't written in English. All right? It was not. The Bible is not American. Ooh. Listen, YouTube, you heard it here first. The New Testament was written in Greek, and it's been translated into English for us. And sometimes, just like 
in like Mexican Spanish and Puerto Rican Spanish and like other types of Spanish, some of the translations don't carry over. Like you can say something in one and then the other one is a bad word. You're like, excuse me, what'd you say about my mama? Like, I was just trying to find the bathroom. Like, now, now you got to fight somebody over the bathroom, you know what I'm saying? So some things don't translate directly over. So in the original Greek, the word translated here as go has the exact same ending or suffix as the words for baptizing and teaching. Huh. That's interesting. That's interesting to think about. Say, hmm. Hmm, I didn't know that. Grammar nerds, all my grammar nerds, when, when you see the word baptizing and teaching, if you're a grammar Nazi, what are those type of words called? No, starts with a P, starts with a P. Part, huh? Participles, yes. The I-N-G, some of y'all need to go back to school. That's crazy, y'all. No, it's all right. I didn't know these things, too. I'm a grown man. I didn't know these things. So participles. The I-N-G ending gives it away. So baptizing, teaching, going. Make sense? So the one that stands out all of a sudden that's not ending in the I-N-G is make disciples. Hmm. So if going, baptizing, and teaching are not the imperative verb, which we thought it was go, but it's not all of a sudden. What's left? It's making disciples. So make disciples. That's the imperative verb. And what is a disciple? It's someone who follows Jesus. That is a disciple. I think our tendency is to read these verses with go as the imperative verb. Right, And it's caused us to compartmentalize the Great Commission into something that's about missionaries and mission trips. Right? When you think of that, you're like, go into all the world. You're like, I'm not a missionary, but I'll pay for a missionary. Right? But I believe what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that the mission, that this mission is not just a missions trip. It's an entire way of life. The focus is not the going. It's the making. I'm going to say that again. The focus is not the going, it's the making of disciples, meaning the followers of Jesus. The original Greek text says, while you are going, make disciples, wherever that may be. What is that going to look like? It means that people are going to get baptized. When we, what, so pause for a second. We are having baptismal classes uh, I'm going to do one on the Sunday of Spring Breakaway. If you want to get baptized, every Christian, one of the first things that Jesus says for us to do as a testimony, as a witness of our salvation, is to be baptized. And so if you want to learn what baptism is and you want to be baptized, which I, I believe you should, Tell me, tell me, like, some of you that have sat in baptism services and you hear the testimony on the mic and you just don't, like, cry your eyes out. So I want to offer that to you at Spring Breakaway. If you want to be baptized, and I challenge you and I highly encourage that you do, and we can talk about that another time, but it, it looks like making disciples is baptizing, right? They're going to hear the good news about Jesus and they're going to believe and respond, right? They can only do that if we're telling them about it 
and living our lives in the way that will convince them, right? But it doesn't stop there, does it, right? Jesus then commands his disciples to teach these new followers to what? To observe all that I have commanded you. We've become so hyper-focused on the conversion and the baptism part of the mission that we've neglected to do the important work of teaching people how to live like Jesus taught us how to live. What am I saying? Us as Christians, these are to the believers in the room, meaning they follow Jesus already. We've been so consumed with the thought that we just have to convert people, dunk them in the water, and that's it. And I'm here to tell you that's wrong. That that's not it. It's not what he's just asking us to do is convert people. While you are going, make disciples. We have to teach people. Why do you? All right. I'm Pastor Izzy because I've dedicated my life to introduce people to my best friend, Jesus, who has saved my life and who has saved their life, who loves them despite all their failures and all their mistakes. My job is to not just introduce you to Jesus, but help you live like Jesus and the way he wants you to live that's going to only be beneficial to you. And I can talk about it all I want, but if you find me at the grocery store cussing out the cashier, that's kind of not it, right? That's kind of weird, right? Be nice to cashiers, guys. Jesus' life and ministry were filled with teaching on how we should live. Say live. He's saying here that making disciples is not just about conversions. It's about what you believe and how you live in response to it. So an application... There's a lot going on here, right, in these three small verses, right? So, like, Jesus did not say, you guys need to go tell your close friends and family about this, and if you have time, maybe tell a neighbor or two. Right? That's not what he's saying. No, that's not what he said at all. He said, all nations, all people, the world needs to know about this. The world has to know about this. What else does Jesus say? Right? I don't know about you, but like when I go on vacation, I'm the planner. Y'all think Ariel's it, but I do all the plane tickets. I do all the hotels. I do all that. She might say no, cap, all right? You heard it here first, YouTube. You heard it here first, cap. I do all that, right? Now, she may be a detailed person, but ultimately when it comes to like buying the tickets and talking on the phone, it's her boy, all right? All right, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I'm like... I start doing some, some detailed stuff. I'm like, okay, Jesus, uh, you want them to change the world, and you want them to go, but I'm counting the disciples, and one just, one's gone. So, like, one, two, three, four, maybe Thomas, five, six, seven, right? You're like, uh, there's only, like, 11 of us here, bro. There's only 11 of us, Jesus. Right? It's logistically impossible for us to change the world. But that's not what Jesus says. What does he say? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm in charge and I'm giving you the mission. I'm giving you the mission so that you can carry it out. But I am going to be with you as you do it. 
I'm going to be with you this whole time. We're not just called into mission for Christ. We are called into mission with Christ. How am I going to reach my school? It's just me. Wrong. He's with you. How can I be a light to my family when they don't listen to me and they just think I'm crazy for coming to a church on Thursday when I could be doing something else? This is the best place for you to be. Two, Jesus is going to help you. He's with you. He's with you. Matthew 19, 26. I wonder if some of the disciples in that moment recalled his words. It says, when Jesus told them this, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Here's Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we can ever ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Right? Did you catch that part in the middle? According to the power at work within us. God can do more than we could ever imagine, and he's doing it through you and me. That's cool, right? Like God, like God wants to use us? That, that's kind of awesome if you think about it. God has commissioned us in every sense of the word. He's given us a command, yes, but he's also brought us together as a group, as a ministry, with a purpose. Thursday nights aren't happening just because. Thursday nights aren't because like, I'm just here and I'm bored and I want to hang out with y'all. I do want to hang out with you, and I'm not bored, all right? No, we're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason, and through his power at work within us, he has brought us into working condition fit for the task. Does that kind of ring a bell of a definition we talked about earlier? This is not an impossible mission because he's with us. Emily, if you don't mind, when I was a kid, I thought the best thing about being a Christian was spending eternity with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. I get to see my dad again. I get to see some people I haven't seen in a while. It's going to be a great time. Me and Ariel are going to be best friends up there. You know, we won't be married, but she could, we could hang out. She'll be, that's my, she'll be my sister, and I'm down with that. It's my best friend. She'll be my best friend on earth and in heaven. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I still think... Like, that's really awesome that eternity is, is, is on its way, to be honest with you. I believe it. But it makes me so excited to know that God wants to use my life right now. I'm excited for heaven. Let me tell you something. I want to see you there. I just want to see you there. No sickness. No pain? A new body? You mean I could be taller? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? A place where no tears are shed. It's kind of hard to think about that, right? Because we're so used to it here. But there's a place that is being prepared for us, that is prepared for us. We'll be washed clean. We'll be made new. No more struggle. No more stress. 
No more anxiety. No more depression. I know it's hard for some of you to think about your life without those things in it. And the problem with some of these things is that it attaches itself to our identity. And we get afraid that if those things disappear, we won't know who we are anymore. Because those things, those struggles, that pain has been with us for so long. But in heaven, where God resides, where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, where the Holy Spirit dwells, doesn't exist. Freedom at its purest form in the light of his glory and grace. I'm excited for that. I'm excited what God can do in and through me up there. But I'll tell you this right now. He wants to use me right now. And he wants to use you right now. He wants you to take up this mission. Following Jesus gives meaning and purpose to my life. And isn't that what we're all looking for, right? Right? Why am I here? Why am I on this planet? What's my purpose in life? Like I was talking to Victoria and Jazz. I was, I was talking to them earlier, you know, freshmen and sophomore in high school. And I'm like, what do y'all want to do with your life? You know, like, y'all talking about college and stuff like that? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, it's totally. You don't got to know. But God wants to use you too. He does. He does. Those talents and those giftings, Victoria wants to use that. He does. It may not even be here in church, but God wants to use you to reach your friends. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. Here's the last slide. Jesus is on a mission, and we get to be in on it. And no matter how much we screw up, (laughs) it won't stop him from completing the mission. You know what the best part of this is? It's not difficult. It's not. It's not rocket science. It's not a vocab lesson that you all failed tonight. You don't have to get a PhD in systematic theology. You don't have to quit school and move halfway around the world. Jesus is on a mission all around us. And as you are going, make disciples in your schools, in your neighborhoods, in the lives of your friends and family. You are called into mission with Christ. Here's a question, XL. Where is Jesus giving you an opportunity right now to join his mission? I want you to answer that in your head, in your heart. Where is God giving you an opportunity to join in on the mission with Christ? Here's one, spring breakaway. Oh my gosh, why do you keep talking about spring breakaway? I don't want to go. That's how some of y'all look. It's my heart and it's my job to make disciples. And I will unapologetically do it because I unapologetically believe in you. I unapologetically love you. 
I do. And I know this. When we have set a specific amount of time to retreat, to go away, what does that look like? That is Jesus bringing us onto the mountain. And I know what happens at retreat. God calls you. God speaks to you. God does a miracle in your life. Why are you afraid of that? That's, that's someone. You're afraid. You're afraid of what God might actually say to you. You're afraid that God might actually use you. There's no better person for the job. There are certain people in this city, at your school, your family, there's people that Pastor Izzy, I just can't reach. They won't listen to me. Pastor Jason, Pastor Joey, Pastor Ariel. There's certain people that just, I'm too short for them, whatever. But they hear you. Something about you, something about your story makes sense to them. And they say, you know what? Whatever you have that makes you smile in the midst of pain, I need that and I want that. Some of you can preach the same message that I wrote tonight and have more impact on certain people than I would. So God wants to use you. Spring Breakaway, listen, we're not making money on it. It's not a way for us to get in your parents' pockets. It's a way for us to invest in your life. This city, the system, it's designed to take from you. This church, this ministry, my heart is only to give. Give you an opportunity to get away from the drama. To get away from it for just two and a half days. And in those two and a half days, I believe with all of my heart that you would leave different than the way you showed up. It's not about the money. If you want to go, you can go. If you want to go, you can go. Because you and I have a mission. There are people out there that need your story. There are people out there that need your testimony. They need you. It's not impossible. He's with you. There may be some of you tonight. Like, all right, pastor, I hear you. But listen, I don't really follow Jesus like that right now. And I'm here to say it's very easy. You can do it right here. You can do it right now. Why is it important to follow Jesus? Because I believe there's a heaven and I believe there's a hell. And hell was a place that was never meant for you and I, but because of sin, it separated us from God. Some of you can't take on this mission of telling others about Jesus the Christ and how he has saved them because you yourself are not saved. You yourself have not started a relationship with Jesus that will ultimately change your life for the better, for the best. My life was headed down the worst road. I don't know where I'd be. I'd be six feet under, six feet in a cell. But Jesus changed my life. And because he changed my life, now I live on mission with Christ. And now I want everyone else, I want everyone in the world to know that Jesus loves them, and he died for them. So maybe you're here, and you're like, I, okay, all right, stop talking. How do I start this relationship with Jesus? In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, 
says this, if you, to, if you were to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ died and rose again, you'd be saved. I said it wasn't rocket science, right? I said it was pretty simple. That's it. I'm not asking you to get your life together. I'm not asking you to fix things. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to believe. I'm asking you to give Jesus a try. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I don't care what time it is. I got the mic. You're here tonight. It could be your first time. It could be your hundredth time. I don't care how long you've been going here or how you've not been here in a while. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Izzy, I'm going through hell right now. Pastor Izzy, I'm going through some hard stuff and I feel like I'm alone. And you're talking about a mission. How can I accept that mission if, if I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with? I'm here to tell you tonight, if you put your hope and trust in Jesus, like Gio said earlier, he won't fail you. But you've got to put your hope and trust in him. And so if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor Izzy, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to him, meaning I want to live the way he says I should live. Because if he's perfect and he's kind and he's never failed, I kind of want that and need that in my life. And then you say, and then you're talking about hell. That's not a place I want to go. But I, I don't want you to start a relationship with Jesus just to escape Hell, I want you to start a relationship with Jesus because I know that he loves you and he wants the best for you. So if that's you, I'm just going to count to three. And all I want, with no one looking around other than my leaders, no one looking around. So it's just you and me and God and some of the leaders at this moment. If you're here on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand if you say you want to accept Jesus and you want to start fresh. One, Jesus loves you. Look, our hand already went up. That's amazing. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he died for you and wants a relationship with you. Three, there's nothing that you can do that will separate you from him. Who's that? Come on, raise that hand up. Just slip it up. I see that. I see that. Listen, you're not alone. I see that hand. Come on, is there anybody else? Awesome, I see that. Anybody else? You want to accept Jesus for the first time. You want to know him better. I'm not, listen, you can have questions and still want to know him. You can have doubts and still want to know him. I, I, I know there's another hand. I know there's another hand. Whatever voice inside your head, I see that. Whatever voice, that's amazing. That's awesome. Who else? Who else? Who else? You're, you're, you're struggling in your mind if whether or not you should raise your hand. I'm saying do it. Go for it. Go for it so we can pray with you. I'll give it a few more seconds because it's not my life that's on the line. It's yours. It's your life. It's a very serious and important decision. Awesome. Okay. Maybe if you didn't raise your hand, you weren't comfortable in front of people. I want you to know that this is a safe place for you. And if you wish you could have raised your hand or wanted to but didn't, come find me after service. And I want to talk to you. I want to help you. Those of you who raised your hand and all of us together, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody. Lord Jesus. 
I believe in you. I believe what you say is true. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you did miracles. And I believe the greatest miracle of you dying and being resurrected. You rose from the dead and you died for me, for my sins. And I'm grateful. I ask you tonight to come into my life. Change me. Help me. Love me. And help me love you back. I know this, that you love me no matter what I do. So thank you. I believe tonight with my heart open and my words confessing in you to be the Lord and Savior of my life that tonight I'm saved. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone says, come on, those of you that prayed that prayer, come on, let's give it up for them. That's awesome. Let's go. Hey, hey, if you, if you prayed that prayer, whether you raised your hand or not, all my leaders, raise your hand. I want you to find one of these leaders. You can even find me. I want you to find one of these leaders and say, hey, I prayed that prayer for the first time tonight. They want to celebrate with you. They want to give you resources. They want to give you a Bible. It's going to be awesome. All right.